Hello and welcome. You're listening to Planet Bio. This is our weekly startup office hours, where we discuss all things at the intersection of digital and biology. Before we get started, a brief disclaimer. Planet Bio is not affiliated with any institution or organization. Views belong to those who express them. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Planet Bio. It's the usual crew here, myself, Jeff, uh, Hamdi, and Alexa. We're really excited today about our special guest, Brian Wells. Welcome, Brian. Great to have you here. Hey, Jeff. Thanks so much for having me. It's an honor. Awesome. So, Brian, you're the founder of, of Dark Horse Talent, uh, as well as uh, the CEO. And we'd love to hear an intro and a bit about your journey, how you got to where you are now and what you're up to these days. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate that. And yeah, it's definitely thanks again for, you know, inviting me to, you know, to come and talk about the startup space. Um, I, I was going to ask the question if I was the, you know, the, the first person you had on um, that, that came from the talent side working with startups and yeah. you answer that question for me so that's that's cool i'm, I'm honored thank yeah, you yeah. we answered we answered that <laughs> offline yeah you're uh you're the first i believe so we're really excited <laughs> awesome that's great and um yeah just a little bit about me so i'm i'm brian wells i'm the owner and founder of dark horse talent um, i've been in staffing and recruiting in the life sciences space for about 14 years now uh, the first few years of of um, of recruitment, I, I focused more in the uh, clinical quality and regulatory space, and I, I I loved the industry, but then I started to work more on the research and scientific side of things, and I by chance uh, you know started to work with some companies that weren't your traditional um, you know drug discovery companies. They were in the precision or preventative medicine space. Um, and I had never heard of bioinformatics prior to that uh, or computational biology for that matter. Uh, and, you know, um, I saw early on that there was going to be, you know, a, a big wave and how data would, would impact um, how we treat patients. So um, I kind of just hitched my wagon to, you know, to, to, to that network. Um, and started to build really great relationships, uh, you know, through through the ecosystem. Um, worked for a company for about seven years, and then decided that you know I wanted to um, scratch that you know entrepreneurial itch that I have. It's 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 in my it's in my bloodline. Um, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Um, I I always joke and say no one's noteworthy, no, no Steve Jobs are, are alike, but people who built, um, you know, organically built uh, a businesses of some sort and, you know, made a great living for themselves or, you know, they exited their entrepreneurial venture. And so, um, you know, I, I made the decision in 2017 to, you know, kind of fulfill that lifelong dream and, uh, and, and start Dark Horse Talent. Wow, that's awesome. That's a really, really cool path to get there. And you kind of touched on this already, but what, you know, really led to starting Dark Horse Talent? I think that was in 2018, right? You know, other than scratching that entrepreneurial itch, right? Um, what problem did you really see? Or like, was there some sort of event or moment where you thought, oh, yeah, I have to do this? I think on a personal level, 
um, if you if you looked at where I was at in the stage of life, um, you know, I had just got married, just um, had our first child and just bought a house. And, you know, most people would probably say, like, um, you know, if they have a risk adverse profile, they would probably say it might be time to hold off on that dream. But, you know, I had a deep conversation with my wife and and um, decided to, you know, to, to do it, you know, sooner rather than later. Um, and yeah. I think in terms of like, you know, problems that I was looking to solve, I realized that um, recruiting in the data space for chemistry, chemistry and biology related type roles um, takes a deep experience. It's a, it's, it's not an easy um, area of um, life sciences to recruit in. Um, it requires, um, you know, for me, enough to be dangerous to know how to speak to computational biologists and data scientists. Um, sure, but yeah. also, um, I think like knowing all the different technical, um, you know, and, and new new technology that comes along, and and keeping up to date there. And I realized that there were a lot of companies that kind of dabbled in that space. Like they may have had, you know, a clinical or quality or a regulatory vertical within their company. Um, but I yeah. didn't know many companies that went and just focused, you know, deep into that space. And so um, that's the problem that, you know, that I, that, I, that I said to myself, well, I think if I go super deep and build this network, you know, in, in the Cambridge, Boston area, but now, as we know, it, you know, other hubs, you know, are equally, um, you know, at the point where, you know, there's a, there, there's a lot of recruitment in this space nationwide. So, you know, I, I, I've been able to tap into some of those, you know, other pockets of, of, uh, of innovation. And so it's, it, it, it's, it's been, it's, it's been great. That's awesome. And, you know, we really, uh, love to touch on topics that are relevant to, uh, you know, startup founders and aspiring founders and, and anyone interested in that space. I'd love to to get your thoughts here, you know, from your perspective, what you, you touch on this with companies in general, right? What types of challenges uh, do you see startups often facing in this space as it relates to talent, you know, finding the right people uh, for the right job? Yeah, and it's a great question. And I think that some of the hurdles, um, you know, depending on, you know, size company, right, and, 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 and funding and where they're at in the company creation cycle, um, you know, sometimes depending on where you're also at, like in a market we, we're in now, um, I think that you have uh, people who are a little bit more uh, risk adverse and, and they're, they're looking to maybe not join a startup company. Um, so I think that sometimes there's, there, there's companies that, uh, you know, struggle to identify and attract the talent. Um, I think that um, where I've done great work is when I work with a founder or, you know, an early stage, uh, you know, head of, head of, or, you know, CSO, I think that, um, you know, some of the challenges and how what they lean on me and my team for is that 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 candidate attraction, um, because you, you know if you don't have uh, you know the the big box name or you don't have a team that's you know dedicated to getting your message out there, then um, you need to rely on companies like mine to be able to tell your story. Um, you know I hear it all the time. You know when people thank me after 
you know, I, uh, I place them at a company and they say, Hey, Brian, like, thank you. Like I, I would have never known about this opportunity or this company. I'd never heard of them until they brought, you know, you, you brought them to, to me. So I think that's, that's a, that's a big piece that, you know, some founders, you know, might not know about, and they might not know that that's the value that we can, we can bring to as, as someone who specializes deeply into the data science space. I think it's so interesting to think about uh, the value that you can bring to startups for that reason, exactly, um, among other reasons. But it's it really uh, resonates with me that uh, you can support in that way and that you can help founders tell their mes- messages and attract talent. Thinking about the other side of it a little bit, um, if I'm a candidate who uh, is in the life sciences industry and is looking for an opportunity at the director level, the VP level, what advice would you have to someone who is uh, trying to market themselves as a candidate? Um, what can they do to best come across as someone that the companies you're working with might be interested in? A great question and timed well. Thanks, Alexa. I think the first thing, you know, and it might seem it might it might seem pretty simple, but have a really good resume. Um, I think there the resume, uh, you know, that 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 some people you know, like have, right. It, it, it could be, you know, a resume that they've had for 10 years of their career and they've, you know, just kind of brushed up on it a little bit. Um, I, I would, I would suggest that you hire somebody, right. Who could help you write a new resume, or if you're great at writing resumes and you have the time to do so, I think that like, that's that that's definitely a big piece that gets lost in this digital world because now we're you know we're able to go onto LinkedIn and you can you can apply to you know to to five jobs really really quickly. I don't suggest that you do that. I suggest that you look at you, yourself like you need to market yourself as a candidate. So telling your story via your resume. Also, I would say uh, brush up your your LinkedIn if you haven't. Um, some people don't like to do that because they don't like to put all their, you know, candidates don't like to put all of their, their information out there. They also don't like to be contacted by, you know, a, a ton of recruiters. Um, and then I think the third thing would be is um, even if it's not Brian Wells and Dark Horse Talent, find yourself uh, someone who specializes in your niche who can help you and almost act as your agent throughout your career. Um, I have people in my network that I've been in touch with and contact with for the last 13 years that I've never, you know, placed anyone with or placed them at a company. And I think having that network um, as a as a job seeker and, and, and being able to, to, to get plugged into that network um, via someone who is day to day talking to whether it's hiring managers talent acquisition professionals, or just people who, who support the ecosystem in general. So I think those three things, the first two sound super simple. And then the third one's one that will take, you know, time and networking and, and kind of building that, that relationship. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's uh, really helpful for our listeners. Appreciate it. So one question that I actually have for you is, what do you see as the importance of community, both for the startups that are working on trying to find the right sort of talent, as well as, you know, emerging biologists, either ones first getting into their roles or more senior ones on 
how they really should think with some intention about how they're building themselves up, either their business or their career? It's a great question too, Lemdi. Thank you. And, you know, I think the first answer I'll give is, uh, you know, that, that what specifically what type of, of networking or groups to, you know, to, to, to be a part of. Um, one that, you know, that, that I've been involved with and actually where I met Jeff for the first time was the, uh, the BCBB meetup, which is the, uh, the Boston Computational Biology and Bioinformatics meetup. And it's, it was founded by, you know, five people that, you know, I, I, I've known most of my career um, and they've done a great job keeping that event, uh, like getting it kicked off and started. And, you know, my company, we've, we've, we've hosted the events over the years. Um, getting involved with um, communities like that will be crucial to any person looking for a job or even, you know, uh, a hiring manager or a founder, um, because like you can find people uh, and connect with people. And also, more importantly, you can be involved in the ecosystem and help, you know, whether it's a, you know, a master student who is, just graduating from BU, right? And uh, looking to branch and get into industry and connecting the dots there and being a part of a community and a a group like that. Um, I've seen it impact people's careers, but it's also helped me as a founder, um, you know, of Dark Horse to to continue to to plug in and, and connect with people and meet new people. Um, and, and I think that's that's definitely uh, where I see an opportunity for either founders or job seekers to uh, to to really build those relationships. Um, and I think like on the other side, Hamdi is you know if you're a founder of a company, I know on my end I'm connected to my peers. Um, I should be connected to them more in the talent space. People who own staffing firms or people who work you know, for, for uh, talent acquisition on the inside of a company. Um, I do my best to, you know, to stay plugged in there. And I think that, you know, someone who is founding a company should absolutely tap into to that, that peer network. That's awesome. Thanks so much for taking us through that, Brian. And we, we have a question in the chat window as well, which I think really relates to that, you know, thinking about someone who is on that early career side, maybe, just getting out of school or um, they're kind of in their, their first post uh, school gig. Um, Any, any tips on how to build that network in addition to what you already shared? Yeah. And I'll, I'll first say directly, you know, if, if someone's looking to connect, you know, to someone who just might be able to help them, I'm happy to connect with anyone. I'll answer that first. I think the, you know, the other, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The other side of that is uh, I think that you need to uh, make sure that, you know, you're brushing up on the latest uh, technical skills, too. So, like, an example would be, like, you know, if you come out of school and you're Python programming, because most a lot of companies, you know, use Python to, to code, I think that if, if you don't have that experience, like, what could you do to, you know, to, to market yourself a little better um, and to show that, you know, you, you know, you, you you are new in your career, but you're someone who is like trying to, you know, continue to, to learn and stand out above the crowd. So, you know, I think when I look, if I'm looking at, you know, like just from like a talent 
eye standpoint, if I'm looking for a more junior person, like a master's with a few years of experience, or it's someone who, you know, just getting out of um, a master's program, let's say, I think, you know, I'm looking to see, okay, like they have obviously the, the, the credentials and they have maybe some internships, right, is a big one. Um, have they continued any kind of education to, you know, um, if they didn't have, you know, any machine learning experience, you know, are they taking courses? There's so much information and so many courses you can take out there for free or paid courses as well. So I think like um, continuing to show that you're bettering yourself as, uh, you know, as a, as a data scientist um, and even more so like, you know, are you contributing to, you know, to, to projects, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of more junior candidates that I see that, you know, they will, they will add personal projects right onto their resume or their GitHub, where you can kind of take a little bit further look at their work. And I think, um, you know, I think those are some of the things that, that would definitely help. And I think, again, it goes back to getting connected into um, communities, groups, networking, and really work, working on your elevator pitch and your your message, because then you're going to get to the point where, you know, you're going to start to interview and, and you know, that's a whole, whole, whole other side of coaching, right. That, that we hear. So, you know, I think that um, some of those things I think will, will, will be crucial for someone who's looking to kind of break into, you know, into an industry setting from, you know, a, some sort of, you know, PhD or master's program. That was a great answer. And I think it brought up another question, which is a bit two parts here. So the other question here is a lot of people romanticize the idea of a magical first connection working out. And as you explained a little bit, that doesn't happen that way. It takes in work and takes in focus. But what's the average amount of time you see for early stage people that they should expect it takes for their own searches? And then the second question is a bit more on yourself, really, of for later stage people and people building communities around them, what's the kind of like time scales it takes to kind of see big changes occur? So I just want to understand the question. I think the first part was uh, what's the what's the timeline a job seeker should consider when they're looking like when they're say they're in their phd when should they start to look for a job was that the first question uh, a bit yeah i mean i i guess the challenge here is that you know a lot of people three years ago even uh saw a very fast job network going on right people were getting decisions people are rotating very fast nowadays things have felt slow and if you're used to things a few years ago or just hearing about it from your friends you might feel pretty despondent that it's taking you a few months to find a thing where that was probably par for the course six years ago anyways. I mean, you know, the time scale of searches have been changing back and forth. And then the bigger question is just more human on you, Brian, of just like, how long has it taken you to kind of see changes for yourself and, you know, your partners and uh, your clients in this ecosystem? So, yeah, there's definitely... A, you know, different landscape with headwinds in the biotech space and life sciences space and markets in general, you know, looking at some of our data internally, and this is something that I could share with anyone who, who, who has interests, but 
I think that if we're looking at the trick that, that we use, right, um, here in, in staffing, it's, it's called uh, like time, time to fill, which means we, we take in a search and how long is it going to take, you know, for the person to, you know, get into their, their job and start. And so I think on average, like not just Dark Horse, but companies in general, prior to the slowdown in the market, I think that we were looking at anywhere from 30 to 45 days when you would see that time to fill, when someone would accept the job and start from when they engaged with us, which is very fast. Um, now in this market, because there is a lot more candidates in the pool and companies have access to talent on their own, um, I think that there's a lot more candidates that, that are searching for jobs and applying for these jobs that are actually kind of pushing that, that you know, spreading that, that, that time to fill number out a little bit. And I think that, you know, in, in some of the searches that I've seen in 2023, you know, we're upwards towards 90 days with some of them. And that's, that's due to, again, market, the number of candidates in the pool, and then, you know, companies want to work through, obviously, the people that submit directly to them. And then if they're using Dark Horse to help with additional sourcing or to help them with the search, then they're also considering our candidates as well. So, and then any, you know, any referrals that might come through other channels in some way. So, you know, I think that um, there's, there's definitely um, a, a big difference in that number. And, you know, to kind of answer your second question, like, you know, just, just for myself to kind of, you know, just from, from, from the start of my career to, you know, to where I am now, you know, I, I came into staffing from, uh, you know, from a, you know, from a, from a hospitality background, I didn't take the traditional uh, route to entrepreneurship. Um, I actually worked in a family business. Um, you know, I went to, I went to school. Um, I, 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 I was one of those students who, who knew that I wanted to, to be my own business owner and I learned what I could, but I didn't finish college and I went right into a family business and you know my my family growing up was uh the you know the family that like if someone needed something or needed a connection or needed to you know to to you know to have you know help with you know their house being painted they would they would come to us right and they would say like hey do you know anyone and um and 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 that that work has definitely translated well to being a good people connector and i think that in the beginning of my career, I, you know, I, I made a lot of mistakes, right? I, uh, I, I was new to this business, um, and you know, I, 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 I was told by a mentor early on that um, you're not in the recruitment business; you're in, you're in the relationship business. And you need to focus on building relationships, and then everything else will come after that. Uh, it took me a little while you know, to, to kind of really put that into, you know, application. But once, once I did and started to build great relationships, you know, I, I, I fell in love with what I was doing and then, you know, I, I had a lot of success. So, you know, I think that, you know, in the early days, you know, I was, I was full of, you know, Hey, I, I, I want to learn this industry and I want to be the best recruiter. But sometimes, you know, the best recruiter doesn't mean that, you know, I'm not going to make mistakes. So,
That's super insightful. Oh, that was great. Yeah. That that was awesome. Um, and I'm just gonna jump in here with a, a question from the chat as well. So it's a bit of a, a clarification question. So who are your clients, Brian? Right. So are the clients uh, the companies that are looking and scouting for talent, or are the clients the talent themselves, the people who are looking for opportunities, or is it both? It's it, the answer is both. So that's one thing that you know you don't have one side without the other, right? And yeah. and I think that um, you know it's it, it's important to make sure that you're aware of that as you know a staffing firm owner, because you have to build relationships on on both sides. And I think that you know to kind of like answer you know the question that it is both, but like on the client side of things. You know, I work with companies from seed stage, you know, to, to publicly traded companies. And um, I love working in the startup space. I love working with early stage companies. Um, I love placing the first few people in to see what they do and how they help the company grow. Um, and so I work with early stage companies, many VCs um, who, who, who have you know, a life sciences practice or just focus on the life sciences, uh, use us to help with their portfolio companies. And then I have a lot of really great relationships with people who, you know, are, you know, starting a company not through a VC and, and, and are organically starting it, funding it through other ventures in some way. And, you know, those are people that, you know, I've, you know, I'm working with today that, you know, I placed in the beginning of my career when they were, you know, at the principal scientist level or scientist level. And now, you know, a lot of those relationships, they're directors, senior directors, vice presidents, C-level founders. So it all goes and ties back to those relationships and how important they are. Wow, that's really great. Thanks for taking us through that. So the time always goes by fast in this uh, session. So any final thoughts for startup founders out there or aspiring founders as they think about, you know, the talent aspects of their companies? I, I, you know, it's relevant for where we're at, you know, just in terms of the startup ecosystem now. And I can just say from, from, from like a founder standpoint, it goes back to, um, you know, have, have your people that you're going to plug into and connect to when times do get tough. You, you know, at the end of the day, you're, you know, you have your hands on your head and you're, you know, you're stressed, right? Because uh, the start of yeah. life is not, is not for, is not for the faint of heart. I know that firsthand. And so I think that if you, if you develop that network in, in, in lean on them in good times and bad, it's going to be important to, to, to get you through. All right. Wonderful. Thanks so much, Brian. This was a really insightful conversation and we're really, really excited that you're able to join us here. Yeah. Thank you so much.